Hello and welcome to the Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype right to the heart of the big issues of the day. Now, if you're a regular listener to this show, you'll be well aware that UBS is interested in addressing the big questions that shape our world. To help best answer them, they've sought out a number of Nobel laureates in the economic sciences to ask them to share insights, discuss their research and open their ever-inquiring minds. This week, we're once again lucky enough to be joined by one of these laureates, the brilliant Guido Imbens, who won the Nobel Prize in 2021 for his work on the analysis of causal relationships. It's a pleasure to welcome Guido to the show. Guido Imbens was co-awarded the Nobel Prize in Economic Sciences in 2021 for methodological contributions to the analysis of causal relationships, often through natural experiments. To get us started, I wanted to know what a natural experiment may look like in the wild. It's a little hard to give a very clear definition, but we're trying to find instances where even though we couldn't do a randomised experiment, somehow nature did it for us. Somehow nature created some noise, created some randomness in the data that really helps us figure out what the causal effects are that we're interested in. Sometimes that takes the form of actual randomization that was done for very different purposes. Uh, In the Netherlands, for example, in educational settings, you couldn't just go study to be a doctor. The government had decided there were going to be a limited number of spots at university for people wanting to study medicine. But then to allocate these limited spots, they used a lottery. Now, that gives, us a, gives economists a handle of trying to figure out what is the value of getting a degree in medicine, where normally just comparing outcomes for doctors and for non-doctors may not tell you that because the people who decide to become doctors may be different. They may be more interested in particular the careers than others. But now there was some randomness. Some people got lucky in the lottery and had the chance to become a doctor, and others didn't. In educational settings, we often have arbitrary thresholds for deciding whether people go to the next grade or have to do remedial programs. One way we can use the assignment mechanism is compare people on either side of these thresholds as a way of getting very comparable groups without being subject to the type of biases we would uh, normally be subject to. You've used natural experiments in a number of settings. What have been some of the most notable, whether in terms of what the data showed or the examples you find most compelling? I did some work trying to look at the effects of universal basic income, where obviously you can't really do an experiment where you give people a guaranteed income for a long period of time. That would be incredibly expensive. That would create a lot of concerns. But the lottery does that for us. They randomly give some people large sums of money over a long period of time. And so in many of these cases, and often they're not even explicit lotteries, uh, something random changes that allows you to figure out the facts you're interested in. So in all these cases, there's sort of idiosyncrasies in the way the choices are restricted and the way treatments are assigned. So as an economist and in your work with natural experiments, how do you define the difference between correlation and causation? Correlation is when we see two variables that can have similar values that move together in different uh, ways. So when one of the variables takes on a high value, it's likely that the other variable also takes on a high value. 
And so you see that in lots of cases, the height of uh, parents and children is, is correlated. You see that ice cream sales and shark attacks are correlated. But clearly there is no causation there. The reason ice cream sales and shark attacks are correlated is that in the summer ice cream sales are high and that's also when people go swimming and that's when there are more shark attacks. But causation is about relations between variables where if you actually change one of the variables, if you intervene in the system, you still see a change. You see a change in the value of the other variable. And so in education settings, we are interested in what happens if someone actually goes to get more education, if they finish high school, relative to what would have happened to them had they not finished high school or had they not gotten more education. And so causal facts are, are about manipulations, are about changes, are about interventions in the system. What happens if we change prices, not what happens if we see that prices uh, are high. What makes cause and effect questions so important in economics, or really in life? And how do economists go about trying to prove causation? The reason that's important is when we're making decisions, it's always about what would happen if we made that decision and so I may have a headache, I may take an aspirin or not. And I'm not interested in the correlation there. I'm, I'm interested in what would actually happen if I take the aspirin, because that's the reason for taking that. And similarly, in economics, we see people going to school and getting good jobs. But really what we're interested in is what is the causal effect of getting more education, of getting a graduate degree, finishing high school, getting a PhD. We want to know what would have happened had people not done that, had people not made that decision, and when I think about the, the causal fact of those decisions. Traditionally, in statistics and biomedical settings, people used randomized experiments, and those are great. They're really good at answering causal questions. And in fact, they're so good at that that here in the US, Congress mandated that randomized experiments are used for approving drugs. We don't let drug companies market drugs willy-nilly, we make them do randomized experiments to make sure that there are no big side effects and that we actually really understand whether they're working or not. In economics, of course, that's more difficult. For one, it's often impossible to do double-blind randomized experiments of the type they do in, uh, in medical settings. In an educational setting, we can't not have people know that they're actually uh, getting a college degree or going to an early childhood intervention program. So it's not actually feasible. It's also often not ethical. We really wouldn't want to prohibit people from finishing high school just so we can learn what the effect is of going to high school. So in many cases, we can't do experiments. Now, that's not true in all cases. Uh, Esther Duflo, Abhijit Banerjee, Michael Kramer did a lot of experiments and showed, in fact, they're feasible in many, many settings where economists had really thought they were not uh, possible. And even before that, there were a couple of really big experiments on labor market programs where economists used randomized experiments to establish causality. But for a long time, and in many other settings, we can't really do randomized experiments. And so we need to find other ways of figuring out what the, the causal effects are. And so what economists have always done is try to find ways outside of randomized experiments where we can credibly establish causal inference. And the key really is, is to do that in a credible way. 
the natural experiments literature build on some of the ideas that had been around before, but really focus on trying to get credible causal effects in, in settings where there were important questions and we couldn't do regular experiments. How does your work with natural experiments differ from the other laureates you mentioned, Flo Banerjee, Kramer, and their work with randomised experiments? So when I was working on these problems, our sense was that the randomised experiments were just really hard to do. People had done them sometimes in the 70s, there were some really big experiments, and in the 80s there were some experiments done on labour market programmes, but there was a lot of resistance to actually doing these experiments administrators didn't like them because for these, these labor market programs you would have people who were unemployed and you would tell them okay you have to come in and maybe you'll get some classroom training maybe we'll help you find a job but maybe not and we're just going to randomly allocate it and it's hard to motivate the people to show up for this because they know they may not actually get any services and so whenever they were done they were very expensive and even then they were not often not, they didn't have enough power to really find the effects that, that they were looking for. And so what the contribution of Banerjee to Flo Kramer was that they said, well, actually, in a lot of these cases, we can do experiments. And they did this on a much smaller scale. They did this in settings where people just hadn't thought of doing experiments. And they were incredibly successful in doing that. And in fact, they set up this whole infrastructure that they created a wave of experiments in, in development economics and outside of that. So these two lines of research were really very much complementary. Whenever you can actually do experiments, they're great. They're, they're really the first best solution. But that doesn't take away from the fact that there's going to be lots of cases where you can't do them and where you need to somehow make do with observational data and finding ways in which you can still get credible estimates is, is going to be important for those settings. What kind of data do you need to find credible estimates? What you often need to do is, is try to really understand how the decisions were being made and what the details are of the process that leads people to be in one regime, in one treatment, rather than another. If you think about the problem of estimating the returns to education or estimating the value of a medical degree, rather than just collecting data on people who have a medical degree and not. You need to think about, so why, why did some people actually get there? Why, why did some people get a medical degree and others didn't? What parts of that process may have been somewhat random? How did some people have stronger incentives to get that degree than others? And so you want to think very carefully about how people ended up in the regime they ended up in where earlier kind of pre-natural experiment literature, people didn't pay quite as much attention to how people ended up in the situation they ended up in. They directly tried to model the outcomes in terms of uh, where people did end up. The focus on thinking about how people get there, how people got to that situation, helped us establish links to randomized experiments and say, well, you know, randomized experiments make that part easy because we know there was no choice involved. It was purely chance. The natural experiments are often about trying to find some chance component in these settings where in economics we often think of people making deliberate choices. But we need to have some chance component there to make these methods work. What are some of the main challenges in identifying the right data to use? 
there's obviously a lot of challenges now in the, in the way data is available and the way it is very easy for people to make arguments that support their point of view. And so I think there's a big role for research that tries to look at these things a little bit more carefully and tries to, to figure out what in the end the data really tell us in, in combination with reasonable assumptions. One of the big challenges is that in many cases these are questions about interventions in, in marketplaces. Where you think of a marketplace as a set of rules that governs the interactions between two sets of people. So the, for rideshare companies, there's kind of drivers and riders. For the online retailers, there's buyers and sellers or, or buyers and, and products. And so doing experiments is much more challenging than in, in medical settings where it's just you have a bunch of patients and you can assign them to one treatment or another in the, these marketplaces. And of course, marketplaces are what economists have always studied, how markets are run, how markets should be designed. But in those cases, evaluating the effect of interventions, of changing something for some riders but not for others, or for some drivers but not for others, is complicated by the fact that there are immediately all these spillovers, this, these interactions between different sides of the, of the market. And so understanding the nature of those interactions and figuring out ways we can disentangle those and understand the impact of interventions is something where it's going to require both statistical expertise and sometimes computer science expertise as well as economic uh, expertise in, in understanding how these interactions uh, take place. What is important to me is that the, the methods I'm, I'm working on are useful for, for empirical researchers. And so that's kind of always been somewhat of a, of a challenge for me. At some level, I'm, I'm motivated by, by puzzles, by kind of trying to solve problems. And exactly what makes a puzzle interesting to me isn't always whether it's, it's an important thing or relevant for society. And so the challenge for me has always been to make sure that I work on problems that actually are useful and, and that's where it's very helpful to have people around me who, who do the type of work that helps me calibrate whether these questions are interesting. Extraordinary insights from the brilliant Nobel Prize winning economist Guido Imbens there, wrapping up this latest special episode of The Bulletin with UBS here on Monocle 24. Find out more and delve into the archive of past conversations with other remarkable laureates at monocle.com. And to read more from and about Imbens and to discover how Nobel perspectives shape the UBS worldview, head to ubs.com forward slash Nobel. This is The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. I'm Tom Edwards. Thanks for listening. <laughs>